Well, hey, everybody. Just want to welcome you to our live Q&A. We are so excited to have a panel discussion on our Revelation series. We've been in a series going through the book of Revelation. Well, the first five chapters anyway. And uh, we're calling, we have the subtitle, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's over the centuries has been a pretty misinterpreted, uh, misunderstood book. Uh, everybody kind of shies away, but some crazy movies have been made about it. I mean, there's just lots of <laughs> lots of beliefs out there. Um, I think Di once said that she heard there were 17 different interpretation and wow. uh, the theological understanding of it. Um, so we just want to dive in, and uh, obviously we're going to be talking about themes of revelation. Um, but really themes of following Jesus and connecting with Jesus and intimacy with him and how to live out um, being a Christian, a, a follower of him uh, in a really chaotic and intense world. And so this is a live Q&A. Those of you joining us live, I think uh, Leslie and Troy and Brenda just want to say, hey, hey, what's up? How you doing? Thanks for joining us. I know many of you will be uh, tuning in a little bit later, so we want to welcome you all from the podcast, listening later. Um, but we wanted to jump right in, maybe with a little get-to-know-you question. Um, you know, I, I've often just admire just how, how you each, uh, you know, just follow Jesus with immense passion, um, fervor. And so I thought a, a, a nice get-to-know-you icebreaker kind of question would be, how do you guys like to spend time with Jesus? You know, introduce who you are, what you do here, but also just uh, what is your favorite way to spend time with Jesus? So whoever wants to go first, go for it. Ladies okay. first. All right, ladies first. Hi, I'm Di Lehman, founding pastor here at the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois. And over the years, I've had a lot of different ways that I like to spend time with Jesus, but Really, in the context even of what we've been studying and learning in Revelation, one of my most favorite ways of spending time with Jesus and getting to know him better is by reading memoirs. And this is like uh, Corrie ten Boom. You know, she survived the concentration camp. Uh, a recent one I read was Seeking Allah, Seeking Jesus, which was a devout Muslim who came to know Jesus. And what these do is they just encourage my faith and open my eyes, and I fall in love with Jesus all over again. So, wow. yeah. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Any ones you recommend? Obviously, the ones you just read. Oh, well, I, I, let me think about that. There's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I've read a lot. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. We'll get those yeah. from you. Yeah. Yeah, I always love inspiration from other people of faith. Uh, and for me, first of all, my name is Clay uh, Harrington. I work as the evangelism and college pastor here at the Vineyard Church. Um, and a lot of my time with Jesus, I, I mean, I do a lot of different like activities uh, together with him um, from quiet time in a room. But one of my favorite uh, is walking, taking walks uh, with, with the Father. Um, and, and really zeroing in on which member of the Trinity, which person of the Trinity 
I want to spend time with, you know, like, you know, I'm gonna, I need some father time or I want to spend time specifically with Jesus. And, and, and it's all distinct in, in so many ways. But what I like to do while I'm walking is is talking out loud. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people may think you're crazy unless you don't have any <laughs> earbuds in. OK, you need to get you need to have the earbuds. So like people think you're talking on the phone to somebody. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it, gets, it just gets weird. Um, but I like talking out loud to Jesus. I like talking out loud to Father, to Holy Spirit, and just hearing what, what they have to say uh, to me in the moment, just having conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, also to worshiping um, mm-hmm. when I'm walking, you know, having some, something in my ears, literally worship music playing, and, and out of that having conversations with the Lord. And uh, there's been some powerful times yeah. um, in, in those moments too. So. Maybe yeah. some th- throne room some worship. throne room worship, mm-hmm. bro, come on. Throw back you, to your you message know. on yeah, Sunday, yes, which sir. was fire. Yes, sir. That's good. That's awesome. Uh, Putty Putman here, teaching pastor uh, here, here at the Vineyard. Um, for me, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the walks, um, maybe minus the talking out loud, uh, but I'll add to it, uh, for me, particularly walking in nature is huge. Um, and so even today, actually, I, I got the chance to get out to a uh, forest nearby Lake of the Woods and just spend some time walking, connecting with God. And it's just shocking to me how good that is for my soul. Like every time I do it, I'm like, this is so good for me. Um, so yeah, there's something there's, I, it's funny in that, like, like I'm not even actually sure that I heard God say anything, but it was just profoundly great to be together. And that was like incredibly ministering to me. So I don't know. It's yeah. Nature, nature does it for me. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for me, it's similar nature. Um, every time I see a mountain, it's like I, I have this instant encounter with Jesus, it, like tears, everything. It's like when I first saw the Grand Canyon, I was like, there is a God, you know. Uh, it's kind of hard in Illinois. I know, so unfortunately, those moments are very few in Illinois, but that's okay. Sometimes I go to Kickapoo State Park, which has at least a, a few hills. Um, no, thank you. Thank you all for sharing. Like, it's really important. And how about you? Those of you joining live, um, how do you spend time with Jesus or what are some of your favorite things? And also, this is a Q&A, and so we do want to answer your live questions if you have them. It can be on faith, you know, following Jesus. Um, it could be on the book of Revelation, any of those things, because I think it, it definitely all relates. But I'm going to jump right in. So as I said, I want to welcome those of you that are, are new with us, um, that just joining in. We are in a panel discussion, a Q&A on the Revelation series that we've been in, and the subtitle is The Unveiling of Jesus Christ. We are, we're just on a journey trying to discover, okay, what are you saying to us right now? Spirit, what are you saying to the churches? Like, the churches need to hear you, Lord. We, we need guidance from you. And what's amazing is 2,000 years ago, like, this book, I, I don't know, it's like, there's just so so much mystery and so much depth in what Jesus is is speaking in the book of Revelation. So excited to unpack that a little bit. But I think we found some surprises yeah. as we've gone through. Like, Di, you had the, the beginnings of this series. I think you, we've been talking about it for months and months. And uh, so, I don't know. I think I, I'd like to maybe just start out with, maybe we'll start with you since this uh, kind of came out of some time with him. Um, you know, where, what kind of prompted you to want to preach on this since we've never have? And then maybe, you know, I know it was like five weeks ago that you preached. (laughs) So, um, 
Is there, is there anything on your heart that yeah. you, you felt like you didn't have time to say or you wish you could have said? Well, I'll go back to what prompted the, the series. And over the last year, I've been increasingly saddened and concerned at how obscured Jesus has gotten. And that has happened a lot of, because of the just the craziness that, happening in our culture, and uh, whether it's the violence or you know the whole political scene, of course, uh, the <laughs> coronavirus. And through it all, I've just seen Jesus distorted, like who he is and what he's done and where he's taking us. And so I was drawn to Revelation to not only get a fuller revelation of him, but a a just reestablishing again, where's all this going victoriously? And how can I be empowered to persevere and stay faithful? Wow, that's really good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, could you, could I just... Do yeah. a follow-up there? Sure. Victoriously, like, what are, you, what are you seeing in our culture that is making it seem not? Because I, I know that there's a lot of tension. Yes. And, th like, what, what kind of distortions are you seeing? I'll just press in there pick for a, a second. Well, I would say, yes, Clay says just pick any card. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, the church is, is definitely under fire. And uh, the things that we hold dear and... Some of it for, for good reason. We've done a very poor job of reflecting the life and character of Jesus Christ who lives in us. <laughs> and so I, I would say, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to get too controversial you can, here. <laughs> Di, you can go there. We Let's can go. edit this later. I'm just kidding. Uh, Let's no. go. <laughs> We start and this hot is already. Yeah, yeah. This is Coming real and hot. raw, and so you guys understand this, right? Real mm -hmm. and raw. Like, let, let, we have lots of time, so yeah. go for it. Oh well, okay. You say, what do I mean by victorious? Yes. Well, I think parts of the church have misunderstood what it means to be victorious in Christ, and so we promote this triumphal, powerful. We're gonna do it, and that's not our humble King. You know, our humble king was victorious, but as Clay pointed out so beautifully in yesterday's sermon, and by the way, if you haven't heard it, listen to that podcast, he is the slaughtered lamb, and he laid down his life. And so we have that tension. So we have a whole paradigm of the church that I don't think is accurate. But at the same time, we're not to be this little reclusive, you know, doormat, like, oh, okay, never mind. No, um, I, I really believe, you know, the world is waiting to see Jesus Christ in us, his body. Mm -hmm. And when they do, the one who loves the unlovely, the one who lays down his life, uh, the one, though, who is absolutely righteousness himself and justice and mercy himself. Wow. So our culture needs all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Thanks for sharing. Well, anything from Putty or Clay? Um, just, you know, so I think you were the first message, then we went to Putty, Clay just finished, so his fresh, so I'm, I'm going to go to uh, you, Putty, and just, <laughs> yeah, <I was laughs> if kinda, you can I remember. Kinda, I was kind of the middle, um, yeah. Di, Di was up, and then Julian, and then me. Um, you know, the, I suppose the only thing I, I would have loved to have been able to spend a bit more time on um, <clears throat> is just how different the whole genre 
that Revelation is written in, apocalyptic genre, and how important it is to understand that and what it's trying to do when you read the book. Um, you know, like, apocalyptic genre, is it's actually not supposed to, like, make sense <laughs> fully. Okay. Because, because it's, it's, it's actually meant to be a portraying of the spiritual realm, which transcends language, which transcends our human ideas. And so it's, it's actually meant to provoke, like, wonder and awe and these kinds of things. Like, that, that's what the, the function of this type of literature is. And so it's almost like, like, I, I'm sure, when I look back at some of the most, like, iconic moments that I think about, where I'm like, God is in the room doing something right now. You know what I, you know what I'm talking about? Like like if you pick like the top 3 in your life. I'm not talking about like the the like oh we had a really good service this week. You know God's in that. I'm not trying to to demean that. But like the times when you're like something else is happening right now. This is like those moments are kind of transcendent. Yeah. It's sort of like time feels like it disappears. It's, you sort of feel like you have the sense of like the normal rules are gone. And now there's some different rules happening. And what is happening right now? This is like, that's the space that's being des described by Revelation. And, and if we don't understand that, then we take all of it and we lower it into like symbol interpretation. Mm -hmm. Well, this means that, and this means that, and this means that, and this means that. And that actually totally misses the whole point of the whole book, which I think is really sad. It's meant to provoke that wonder and awe of like, wow, this is what's happening out there. And Jesus is the king of that. Wow, that's that good. Sense. Yeah, because yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, that's that's. I really, I'm glad you brought that up, Petty, because not only is it trying to provoke wonder and awe, but actual just awareness mm. that there is a whole other realm. Mm. And I again have been saddened by, you know, there's such a denigration of the supernatural, and you know, people are leaving the faith because it doesn't make sense. Logic is, you know things don't line up and so they're they're leaving when you understand there's a, all these other realms like layer after layer of spiritual reality that we don't understand that we don't understand at least it's like okay wait i'm not just confined to reason logic right. you know uh, right. uh, rationale so right. I, I love right. that you brought that up and, and if i could just add one maybe ask a question or something yeah. i i wonder if you're sensing is in this moment when the spiritual realm is so active in our culture, to me it almost feels like there's an opportunity for us to perceive it more. There's an invitation yeah. to see it more. Yes. And, and this, is, this is us inviting us into the scriptures of it instead of just looking at the context. Or, or also provoking an attitude of, Lord, open my eyes to see what I don't see, mm -hmm. to my heart to know what I just don't know. Yeah. Because there are so many things in the scripts. Pick a book, but <laughs> Revelation especially is, 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 yeah. is replete with features that we just don't know. And, and yeah, sure, so the apocalyptic symbolism is our closest paradigm that we can classify it as. Yeah. Because, man, there's a whole lot of weird in there because it just doesn't fit our reality. Yeah. It's, it's a supernatural reality. Yeah. Yeah, Di, I want to. Uh, I have something for you, Putty, and, and then I will have you answer too, Clay. But bro, I'm I'm just leaning. I'm you're just I'm, leaning I'm in. Good. No, I know. I'm good. Like, but Di, you said you know, this season has caused several people just to leave, mm -hmm. and I I I actually think there's some some of you that are really on the fence. Of, you know, kind of 
maybe jaded by your faith or cynical that, that you're listening right now. And Di, what would you say to them? Well, I'm going to say what Jesus said in the book of Revelation. And his challenge to us is to persevere, to hang on, to not compromise, to, to believe. And, and faith is required because we can't see and we can't feel and everything seems to be opposite. And so he paints this picture of, again, where everything's going. He is the ultimate victor. Evil will be defeated. Come on. And so we need to hear that. I need to hear that because it appears that evil is winning right now. And when you read Revelation, Jesus is giving us a way to live in the midst of all of the chaos, all the while not losing our faith in him and knowing he is faithful, he is true. This is, we can can trust what he says and who he is. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. Putty, in your message, um, you kind of had to <laughs> address some pretty, pretty uh, heavy topics: sure. sexual immorality, um, uh, just other other kind of like you know, idol worship, things like that. Um, you, you've had several weeks to even reflect, and I know you couldn't like delve all the way in. Um, what do you think is happening right now? Like, wh- what do you think God is doing in the church? Like, I just felt a lot of, like, I felt a lot of life on this whole series. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus was speaking to the churches. Mm-hmm. Is there a reset happening? Is there a spiritual cleansing? What, 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 do you th- what do you sense is happening? Even as you prepped and there was all this context you had to give and sure. um, from Old Testament stuff, but it was all kind of pointing to, like, these things, these spirits, these principalities, these powers are still, they still have some level of influence today, and they're, they're wreaking havoc in the church. They're wreaking havoc on Christians. A- anything through that? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I sense, and I've had some, some interesting conversations about it, and it's, it's highly related, is, you know, to me, there's been a long, steady process of this, but I think if there's any any point that we could look at and say, well, that felt like where things kind of tipped over. It might be this COVID season. <laughs> yeah. um, but to me, it feels like Christianity and in, in the U.S. Is, is transitioning from being a subculture to a counterculture. Meaning... You know, for a long time, we all thought of ourselves as a Christian nation. You know, whether we other were or not, I don't know. That, there's a lot of dispute about that. But, mm-hmm. but we at least, like, generally accepted, like, Christian morality, Christian ethics, Christian view on the world. It was a kind of a respected thing. And that's been sort of eroding for a while. Well, now it's not just that we're no longer in the center. We're actually getting opposition to legitimate Christian values at this point. It's, it's, it's now a counterculture. And I think that that's important because there's actually significant portions of the New Testament, Revelation included, written to places where Christianity was a counterculture. Yeah. Christianity was a counterculture for all of the churches that those seven letters are written to. Yeah. And, and so I think, <clears throat> you know, you're... An interesting thing happens when you move from a, from a subculture to a counterculture, and I think this is going to be something our, the whole church is going to have to navigate. 
When you're a subculture, your strategy is to get as close to mainstream culture as possible so the gap is small. That way, when people come to church, they go, oh, this isn't that different. I can be comfortable here. I can fit in, and this is cool. And then, oh, wow, that Jesus guy. I've never met him before. This is neat, you know? And that will work as long as getting close to culture isn't compromise. Mm -hmm. But if we're in a counterculture, getting close to culture is compromise, and your strategy actually has to switch. You have to actually become more different so that when culture runs into you, they go, who are you? What? What? What's with this? You that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You mean like a peculiar people? A peculiar people, right? Okay. Exactly. I'm just sure you, you That's understand. exactly right. That's exactly right. It's a it's a people that are that are now not fitting in, but are set apart. Yeah. Are are different. And I think the letters of Revelation, Revelation as a whole, actually much of the New Testament has a lot to teach us about that. And I think for a lot of us in America, that's going to be a real big transition, real big transition for us. That's really good. So, Clay, this, your, your message is the freshest. My, I think mine was three weeks ago, so I'm like, what? No, anyway. <laughs> um, but throne, throne Room Worship, say that three times, right? Um, throne Room Worship, so put that in the chat uh, for those of you live with us. But uh, you talked about Lion and the Lamb, the beautiful uh, connection and mixture mm-hmm. that that needs that connection has to be there Absolutely. anything that you didn't have time to say or, yeah. or that you know some days some days it's like okay it's the next day yeah. you're like yeah. oh some I, i've had this happen to me where i'm like oh if i could have said it this way or said this yeah. you know there's yeah. like a moment of clarity happens yeah. Any, anything for you <laughs> <laughs> all the time bro. yeah um but no yeah i would love to have uh just lived in more of the tension of the lion and lamb um just Jesus as lion and lamb, how he models that so, so well for us and what we can learn, especially in our culture today, you know, because of the, a lot of lion-like ways of going about advancing the kingdom, um, I don't think Jesus would really endorse, let's get real, I mean, like, um, the, the way we try to force people to to do or to think or to live in the way we want them to live. It's, wow, I don't, I don't know if that would be the lion-like strategy because, again, the lion-like victories come through the sacrifice of the lamb. What does that mean? That I, believe we, I believe that means that we must humble ourselves like the lamb and be willing to lay our life as a living sacrifice. And how does that tension play out Practically, I would love to just go in and, and talk a little bit more about what that looks like in our culture and what that looks like personally lived out. Um, because there are a lot of people who may have problems with living that boldness as a lion. And, you know, so there's that one end. And then the opposite end is, you know, I'm always going after. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold and I'm going to tell people and speak the truth in love and beat people up with scripture yeah. and, and all that. Um, so how, where is that tension? Where is that middle ground? And what does that look like? Um, I believe a lot of that looks like living bold as a lion, loving boldly, but also loving humbly and, and really grasping this tension of I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. No matter how you think, how you uh, culture, how you walk, talk, etc., I'm going to love you, and I'm going to also show you what sacrifice looks like. 
what yeah. humility looks like. Yeah. Because I'm going to do my best to model how it was modeled to me in King Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was in Florida with my family, and on the beach, uh, there's a guy just basically yelling. He had a little, you know, little portable speaker and just spitting all yeah. about God's going to condemn times. you and yep. end times. And, and you know, it, it's like, okay, you're bold. You're really bold. I'm not sure that is... How about how about this? Like yeah. I've been invited to go to the abortion clinics. Yeah, I've been invited to go to the gay parades and like pick it and, and pick and, it and tell them, them how they yeah. are right. wrong. Okay, I got that. I understand that that is in our culture so much so that it's almost normal for churches to do this. What if we set up in front of abortion clinics instead of um, you know telling them how wrong they are? saying, hey, I want to share the Father's love with you. Yeah. That no matter what decision you make, the Father, he still loves you. Yeah. And we would love to pray with you. Yeah. And, and, and still show that love yeah. of the Father. Or maybe talking to somebody who may be engaging in a LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ lifestyle or whatever that looks. Yeah. That is polar opposite of your culture and saying, hey, instead of me telling you what you're doing wrong, let, let's love one another. Let's grow relationally. And, you know, I think that that's the humility that I think that is important yeah. in this day because we don't have all the answers, yeah. but he does. Amen. And we want to reflect his love. Yeah. That's good. I want to go to uh, some of the questions we're getting in, in the live chat. This one's from Pam, and it's related to Revelation. Uh, the verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, is usually used in a salvation context, as in Jesus is knocking at the heart door of an unbeliever. But it was originally written to La 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 Laodicean? Laodicean believers. Hello, pronunciation. Can you say more about that verse, uh, what that verse might have meant to the original hearers, and Maybe how can we uh, just, like, work with that today? Well, it's, that's a really good question, and she's absolutely right. That scripture has been used for hundreds of years <laughs> as a salvation scripture. But in context, what I think is fascinating is the Laodiceans are the only a church that did not receive a commendation from Jesus, like you're doing this right. Instead, they <laughs> were criticized, you know, for being lukewarm and being spit out of his mouth. But at the same time, he offers this incredible invitation. It, hey, I want to have intimacy with you. I'm standing right here, and the imagery there is, I'm waiting for you. You make a choice. And I will come and I will sit down and eat with you. That's one of the most intimate acts known, of course, in the first century would be eating, sharing a meal wow. together. Yeah. And so the very people that he was hardest on, he offers this incredible invitation of, I'm just standing here, open the door. In other words, make a choice. Let's re-engage intimately with dependence on me and union with one another. Yeah. I feel like it's so, it's such a profound, and I don't know if, you know, we remember this all the time, but that Jesus is always inviting us yep. to connect. Absolutely. I mean, we, you may feel far away. You may feel, I, I made a mistake, or uh, it's, it's, you know, irreparable. 
but he's always inviting. He's always saying, come, come, and, come and to that, me. And that's what leads to relationship. Yeah. And, and, and that's why an evangelist like me loves that <laughs> passage. Amen. I, I love that passage because, you know, I've shown that picture by William Hunt, Holden Hunt, and to, to, with Jesus, the classic picture yeah. of Jesus knocking at the door with no door handle on the right. outside. You got to let him in. You know. Yeah. But, you know, the intimacy you're so spot on with, he, let's share a meal together and not only do life together, let's do everything together. Let's, let's grow in intimacy. And that leads to that, that, that life-saving relationship. You know, and I, and I think that's so important. That's really good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, I, I love everything you guys just said. The only, like, little bit, and this is, this is kind of like a way I think about it. I'm not even quite sure this is what he's saying in the context, but somehow it became a mental image for me at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so, like, my question was, like, well, what door is he talking about? Like, mm. like what? what <laughs> <laughs> that one. You know, like, and, and that made me realize, I'm like, well, I, I, like, maybe it's the church door. You know, maybe it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's the door, to, like, he does say, like, about eating, maybe it's the door to somebody's home, maybe it's, I don't know, but I think, I think for me, that made, that just made me think about, like, the truth is, is Jesus is knocking on every door to every place mm-hmm. in our lives, whether it is the church door, or the home door, the door or is knocking on the door, the things at our work, <laughs> or whatever, those invitations are to every room that our life our life kind of is filled with. And so to me, that, that's given me a frame to be like, I wonder how Jesus is knocking on this door in my life. I wonder how Jesus is knocking on that door in my life. This has kind of been helpful. That's good. Something that uh, I think it was you that mentioned, Putty, I'm gonna, uh, there's another question from Laurel. Um, why do some moments feel extra spiritually significant than others? Is it something that is actually happening in the spiritual realm or is it just my awareness increasing? And I, I think it was you that mentioned just yeah. awareness and sure. the, the, the spiritual activity is, like we have this great opportunity. I love what Jay said, you know, it's, it, can, it can be our finest hour, not our final hour, it, right. even though, that, you know what I mean? So yeah. could you just even talk to that and anybody can yeah, chime in say, with I'll, that I'll, question. I'll, I'll give a crack, but <laughs> I'm sure you guys will both have great stuff to say too. Um, so I would say there's two things. Um, one is it, it is possible that it is a, a deg- like just a degree of our own awareness. Um, it, the spiritual realm is is around us all the time, <laughs> and so if our if we're tuned in, there's nearly always something to be perceptive of. <laughs> and I do think there are definitely moments where it is. I mean, really, it's a, it's a revelation. It's a revealing. It's our 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 the veil being lifted yeah. and our eyes seeing in a way that we couldn't see before. It's our own personal version of John's experience yeah. in this book. Um, but I will also say that the other side of that is that you know what Revelation also shows us is that the spiritual realm is incredibly dynamic. It's not static. There are a Scoot. lot of things happening. And there are times when the spiritual realm is more active or active in certain ways and things like that. And so it could also be that as well. <laughs> it's kind of a both-and answer, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of sense, and we can maybe do this at the end, but I do just sense for those listening, like, there is an invitation. Mm-hmm. God is like, he wants to open our ears 
in our eyes. Eyes to see, those who have eyes to see, those who have ears to hear, like, I feel like we are in a season, and it's interesting that he says, those who have ears, you know, the, the Spirit is speaking to the churches, like, he's wanting to open some things up for us, and so I, I think there's impartation, and maybe, Putty, you can lead that. Um, okay, I do want to ask this question from Aurora, and again, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, applying it to your everyday life can be really challenging, right? We're in, a, we're in a world of chaos, a lot of tension, a lot of racial tension that we've experienced in the last year. It, it started with uh, the black community. Um, we've had a lot of racial tension there, um, but also uh, now lately with the Asian community. And, you know, so Aurora asks, what do you think about how the church in general has responded to the racial tension happening with the African-American and Asian community more recently. Has the church been doing a good job, or how can the church do better? Now, I feel like this, because Jesus speaks to the churches, you know, what is, how are we doing? What could we do better? Um, I, I just, I sense this is like a, this is a, a, an issue of our time that I think the Lord really wants to do something about. And any thoughts? There? Yeah, no, I think that it's, it's important to, as a church, any church leading in any conversations when it comes to the racial injustice, racial reconciliation efforts, whatever injustice in general, um, to see what heaven is saying and, and doing. You, you, you gotta, that's why the church is founded on prophets and apostles. Because with no vision, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. If you don't know what's going on in heaven, what are we really doing? We're just going around, running around, chasing our tails and going with whatever is tickling ears at the time or whatever is the cool thing to say or the easy thing to say or the easy thing to sound bite. No, nah, no, nah, focus on heaven. It's kingdom over everything. If we can stick with kingdom and know what kingdom looks like and what is the Lord, what's the Lord saying? What's the throne room modeling for us in that moment right now and following that and, and continuing with the message of kingdom? I think you're in a pretty safe place. However, I think that when you look at the, like think of Revelation, I was just, we were on throne room worship. What did it look like in the throne room? Yeah. Unity. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Every yeah. tribe, every nation, every tongue singing hallelujah. I mean, singing praises, worthy as the lamb. What were they doing? They were singing praises. They had their eyes and attention set on Jesus, yeah, not, on, not on the earth and the earthly turmoil. and problem. Now, yes, yeah, sure, we are called to be a salt and light. We're called to, but at the end of the day, if we can continue to recognize what is going on in heaven and know that there is a unity there that we can, we're permissioned to and commissioned to bring down here on earth, like let your will be done as it is in heaven, you know, here on earth and wherever we are. And I think that that's, if that's a safe place to start from. And from there, I believe that you can go so many different directions as you're led by heaven, as you're led by Holy Spirit. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah something uh, I was just talking to Leif Hetland, who has been at our More Love, More Power conferences, and he said, but, you know, before the assignment, you have to have the alignment. And I just mm -hmm. love 
you know, he always has like yeah. <laughs> nice rhymes and whatever, but I think it's like, uh, I, I love what you're saying, fix your eyes, you know, yeah. uh, on the things of heaven, not yeah, the things, things on, on the earth. earth. Colossians 3, yeah, get, 1 Kind of get the blueprint before you, you know, try to engage. Because, you know, when you engage that way, when you, you are centered in kingdom theology and, and, and from a kingdom standpoint, you will go after injustice but it will be done differently. Mm-hmm. It will be done with a God-centered, grace-filled perspective. Not a pointing the blame, not a making other people feel shame yeah. or condemned or even more confused because that's played out. That's what the world does. Yeah. That's not what the church does because the church is built upon a different empire. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's focused on a different kingdom. Yeah. And so that kingdom is upside down yeah. and the principles may not make sense, but boy, are they more effective than yeah. anything that I know of yeah. when it comes to helping bring solution and solace and promise to a uh, to mm-hmm. world, world of hurt. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before I ask this last question, which I kind of, I'm going to give you a heads up, like, what do you sense the spirit is saying? to our church and to the church. Um, so that's your heads up. Um, you know, we, we tackled the first five chapters in Revelation, but there's what, 22, 21, 21 chapters? 22 chapters? Okay. Um, there's tons of symbolism. There's tons of Stuff we, it's kind of challenging. And there's lots of interpretations out there. There's a dragon, there's a beast. There's Babylon, the bride of Christ. There's a lake of fire. There's the end times. People think this is the end times. Um, and all the craziness, it's hard not to believe yeah. it is. Like yeah. the second coming of Christ. Like, you know, is so he coming easy. back? It's so easy to take Can your you, eyes off Jesus too. Yeah, right. Things. You know, and all of that. Do you have any just thoughts on how... You know, most people just ignore all of that because it's so crazy. Or they believe the things that a movie has told them, you know. You know, it's like, uh, anyway, I won't go into that. But um, just any thoughts on that? Just like as we're engaging in the Bible in general, but also the book of Revelation, um, any, just any encouragements? (laughs) Well, I think my biggest encouragement is and this is for reading all of the Bible, but particularly the book of Revelation, you absolutely have to put it through the sieve of the cross, or you have to, as we often say here, put on sunglasses, S-O-N, because if you don't do that and you don't understand that the cross was the day of the Lord, it was a day of judgment where all sin was judged and paid for, and the ultimate enemy, Satan, was defeated. Wow. Okay, that happened. Yeah. And so you have to understand that. Now, now it's being being played out on the world scene and has been for 2,000 years, but you can't forget that. You cannot forget what has already happened. And so it's in light of that, then, that the end of the entire end of the age will unfold and Christ will return. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, I could say more, but I'll let them say something. Okay. Well, if there's anything else yeah. you want to hear, any thoughts? Um, yeah. I mean, I'll say a couple of things. I think one on the, um, 
you know, is this the end of the world question? <laughs> uh, maybe. I yeah. mean, I think uh, we, we live in the eternal. This could be the end of the world until it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think I do want to say, like, without belittling the intensity of this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not nearly as bad as things have gotten many, many, many times in human Amen. history. <laughs> um, Study history for sure. It's yeah. the most intense moment for us. Yes. That's fair. Well, you know, in America. In America. But, I mean, even around well, the that's world. That's true. Yeah. That's true. In America, <laughs> right, right. it's the most intense probably moment for us since maybe perhaps people who were heavily involved in World War II or Vietnam yeah. or something. Um, and so I, I, I don't want to belittle that, but I do think that if we read these circumstances and go, oh my goodness, it is the apocalypse, that to me seems a little mm-hmm. stretching it. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, you, when you look at the last yeah. 2,000 years, let's yeah. just put it yeah. that way. Um, now with respect to the, um, you know, all, the, all the symbolism and all of that, um, you know, again, like I think like increasingly... I'm not even using the language of symbolism there because I think that, again, leads me to an unhelpful way to analyze the book of Revelation where it's actually, well, what is the hell the, the sea of fire mean and what does the, this mean and who is the beast and whatever. Um, you know, like John is seeing spiritual realities. Mm-hmm. Those spiritual realities probably have degrees of impact or influence or connection with the natural realm. But to draw a line from one to the other is extraordinarily complex and very, very difficult. Um, And so when, you know, John sees a beast, like I just interpret it as like he saw a spiritual being. (laughs) You know, what was that spiritual being? It was a spiritual being. (laughs) Like, don't try and make it a natural thing. It was a spiritual thing. Um, And so so for me, like more and more, I'm just kind of like reading it as an account of the spiritual realm. And the question of how does that translate into things in the natural realm? Well, I mean, it's it's complex. It's really complex, you know? Um, It's sort of like, you know, I can, I can, I can have clay over and he can be in my house mm-hmm. and interacting with clay and what clay does to my house are two different things, you know? So I could be like, clay is here, but if I'm looking at clay and I'm not seeing him, instead I'm seeing like, that's where he left a, a seat print on the, on the floor. And that's where he put a little bit of mud when he came in the door and he left an empty glass over there. And I'm going like, that's clay. You know, it's like, well, no, that's actually clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the effects of clay right, right. are complicated right. and not necessarily right, directly right. correlated to the person yeah, himself yeah. in a clean and, way. And fully yeah. meaningful, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. he just left a glass there. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And so that's kind of how I'm in, increasingly interpreting those, right. those kinds of things. If that makes and, sense. And, it, and it's good to see, you know, Putty, he, he brings a lot more clarity to the, a lot of the complicated nuance symbolism in the book you can also but and i also love what die you said you know the simplified version is jesus conquers all and he's gonna come back and satan will be defeated and we are going to be in eternal glory with our king and and 
end of story. You know, like we're, we're well, the, that's the beginning of the story, really, because, you know, we, we're, we're going to be in eternal glory with him. Um, but we can get bogged down by the details and the symbolism. And see, the danger in that, too, with what Putty um, eloquently uh, laid out is we can go a lot of dangerous places with that if we get so nitpicky with every little thing in the, in the book. Or we can look at it as for what it is, as spiritual beings. And at the end of the day, Jesus comes, our king, on a white horse, the king of kings and the lord of lords tatted on his thigh. And he has a sword comes out of his mouth and he's going to be our savior for the day, the day of our Lord. And bam, Satan's going to be defeated. And that's the end of the story. So we know how it plays out. And so the encouragement is look to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Hope in Jesus. Be encouraged that he is here. He's never left us, will never forsake us. And at the end of the day, we win. And let that, that should be, um, bring, bring a, a bit of comfort <laughs> to the believer. How, how, do you, how do you guys practically put on that lens? Like, yeah. I know there's pain, suffering, loss. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, what do you do to, to put on that lens? Like, victorious Jesus. Jesus, you, you have ultimately won this battle, and I know it's like some battles are being lost, but ultimately, I don't know. Like, what do you guys do? And I know that's a complicated question, but I do think just some practical ways, you know, we're, we're delving into that area where it's like, yeah, but <laughs> what about this loss? What about this pain that, you know, maybe it's intense depression or loneliness, or maybe you just lost a loved one. You know, what do you do with that? How do we, I, I don't know. And Di, I know you've been doing this a long time, I, you know. Well, the, the most important truth, in my opinion, is that the God of the universe has come to live inside of us. And so no matter what the pain, no matter what the loss, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the circumstance, he's walking in it and through it with us. Mm -hmm. And what religion, what other voices constantly try to do is put him out there or up there. And so you're, you're always trying to do it on your own and like almost hearing him say, okay, try harder, good job. Mm -hmm. And that's a wrong paradigm. Right. The paradigm that the cross accomplished and our crucifixion, burial, resurrection with Christ empowers us now to live in union with him, with him inside of us. And we have the assurance he never leaves us. He Come always on. loves us. And we can rest in that, in the pain and in the tragedy, in the confusion. Mm -hmm. And it's a choice. Mm -hmm. And, but it's real. Yeah. Yeah. It's very real. And, yeah. and Di, really you good. also said about those memoirs you read. Yes. They also encourage you to see how they went yes. through the pain, right. the trials, oh, yeah. The, yeah. the persecution, and still kept their eyes on oh, yeah. the cross, yeah. still kept their eyes on Jesus because he was, he is the hope. And, you know, the, the New Testament, Old Testament, it's, it's filled with stories of right. people, saints, yeah who've lived those lives of, of peril, yes. danger, yeah. panic, confusion. And I'm all the more encouraged to see that 
they could have easily said, ah, oh, psych, I'm just playing. Jesus isn't really the king. Yeah. No, they died for that truth because yes. they knew it was the truth. Yes. And so that just encourages me, a, a brother, all mm -hmm. the more to know that even when I'm going through it, it's tough. Yes, yeah. it is tough. But man, in that toughness, wow, like mm -hmm. I know that Jesus, you're yeah. real. Yeah. That's mm. good. Mm. Do we have time for me to add, yeah, oh add a yeah, little bit here, do. too? Oh, yeah, we do. We um, do, man. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, like, if, if you're familiar with me, you know, like, perspective is mm -hmm. the thing I always think about and talk about, right? Yeah. So my answer to this question is going to be that our perspective on it matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. and, and specifically, here's, here's actually something I've been turning over lately, and it has been really meaningful to me personally. And it it plays out in a lot of areas in our life, and I think the areas of grief, pain, and loss might actually be some of the most significant places yeah. it plays out. I've been toying around with this phrase, which, it, which says this, it, the, in the cosmic drama that is our life, we choose the lines, but we don't write the plot. Mm. Mm, that's good. I, you know, my, my experience, my life, and I believe what the Bible tells us is that, like, the, the whole spiritual realm is attuned to us and is paying attention to us all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and our human assignment is to image God. Mm -hmm. And that happens in individual moments. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we pray for the sick or we share our faith or we give to the poor or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Like, that's imaging God, absolutely, in a moment. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a way that we can image God over the way we walk through something. Or I might even stretch it out to say over the arc of our whole life. Yeah. And as I just more and more think about it, the story that God writes through our life, I don't know what our eternal legacy would be other than that. That like God lives in us and the life that we live and the circumstances that we encounter are unique in that that's the only way God in us will experience those circumstances. And so we have the opportunity to live as God through those circumstances because he's in us filling us. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, it means this, there's a lot in our life that's not in our control. More is out of our control than in. Amen to that. And so, <laughs> and so when it comes to the yeah. plot, yeah. meaning... What circumstances are we going to face? What things are we going to challenge? Or are we going to navigate? What, what choices are we going to have to make that we didn't want to make? Or whatever it is. We don't choose that plot. We don't. But what we do choose is we choose in the context of those things that are given to us, what lines are we going to give to bring our character to life? What lines are we going to give that are going to demonstrate God in this particular circumstance? And I think that that's really helpful for two reasons. The first is it actually gives meaning mm -hmm. to this hard thing that I'm going through. Mm -hmm. You know, like this hard thing is something I can walk through imaging God. And if I do, it's not even just me who sees it. Like the whole spiritual realm yeah, right. sees it, and that goes into my legacy for all eternity. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a pretty cool yeah. thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so it makes it meaningful, but I also think it, that mindset helps us to realize it might also be redemptive because one of the things, one of the core things that the gospel tells us is that when Jesus suffers, redemption happens. When I suffer, redemption's not guaranteed, but when Jesus suffers, 
Redemption happens. Resurrection follows death. Mm -hmm. And if I'm walking through something as Jesus, then I actually have faith that in some way, shape, or form, Jesus in me is working redemptively in the world through it. Mm. In a way I may never see or feel, may not affect me personally, but if I'm walking through that, in that union with Jesus, yeah. Yeah. then it is not for loss in the world around me. That's good. And those two things for me have been really, really significant. That's really good. Yeah, to close, I, you know, I, I said I was going to start with this question, and <laughs> we never got to it, but I, I do want to end with it. Um, there's something that Jesus said in his letters, and we hear it when he even spoke in the Gospels, like those who have ears to hear, let them hear, you know, eyes to see um, what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You know, what do you, what do you think? And you, you could also use this as the, an encouragement to those listening now, like, what do you sense the Spirit is saying to, to us, to, to the church? Um, what's on your heart burning? All the things going on. I think he's revealed some th stuff th through Revelation, uh, this series, but even even beyond that. And I, I would love to just hear, you know, that, that encouragement or that challenge or that invitation. Any thoughts? I think he's saying the same things he said for 2,000 years. <laughs> Follow me. There's a lot of other people we are following. And Jesus is saying very profoundly, mm. follow me. Wow, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Pretty simple like Jesus spoke, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's really simple. And I, and I just want to echo that, uh, Di. You know, um, one of the things I've been thinking about through while reading through Revelation and I'm praying and I'm seeing what's playing out in the book I see there's a lot of parallels for today. And in that, knowing what's been unveiled in the spirit and, and what we can see and be revealed to us in the spirit, I see that there's a lot of warfare for our worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's warfare for our worship. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of churches being duped by the enemy and the temptations and the, you know, the reasons that he throws at us and the circumstances to worship other things than him, mm -hmm. than he, he who is worthy of it all, mm -hmm. worthy of our praise. And, and, and I think that when we see in the book that unveiling of, oh, wait a minute, I'm seeing behind the scenes that the enemy really, really is after my worship in such a way that he's going to try to get my eyes, take my eyes off of the main character, the, the king of kings, lord of lords, in such a way that as long as I'm worshiping something else, he's, he's fine. Yeah. He, uh, the, the, the enemy is happy with that. Right. So there's a warfare for our worship to realize that who are we worshiping at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. And I love your, your, we don't determine the, the plot, but we can choose our line. Mm -hmm. You know, I think That's that good. there's a call to, to choose the line to, to worship no matter where we are, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we are, we're going through, to lean in and know that God is good all the time. He is victorious. He reigns and he alone is worthy of our worship. And I think that that's what um, the church um, should be really focusing on and figuring out, like leaning into mm. everyone. Yeah, so, mm. yeah. Mm. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the thing that stands out to me is something we hit a couple of times earlier, which is just that, to me, it feels like the, the spiritual realm is very close mm-hmm. right now. It's highly active. It's very dynamic. And I think the Lord has a design in the midst of that. You know, like Mm -hmm. the enemy has been working overdrive for the last, you know, I don't know, 12 months, give or take, (laughs) you know, I could, well, I mean like, you know, um, but the Lord has as well, you know, the enemy Mm -hmm. doesn't spring into action without the Lord springing into action too. So it's like both sides are, are really intense right now. And I just sense there's an invitation to say, you know, in the midst of this to say, father, would you open my eyes? I want to have eyes to see. I want to have ears to hear. I don't want to be blinded to the spiritual realm uh i want a revelation mm-hmm. and and specifically not just of the spiritual realm but that the center of it would be jesus christ yeah. as we see in in, in in the book um and so you, you had mentioned even just praying that can i yeah, pray that do real quick it, so yes um, I would love so that. father we just we ask for that you have given us eyes that we may see <laughs> and i ask that you would open our eyes to the things of the spirit and i just i bless right now each and every each and every person here in this at whatever time they're here in this lord open our eyes to the spiritual realm let us see reality as you see reality lord open our eyes to the schemes of the enemy that there is a real enemy he is he is out there we are not ignorant of his designs yeah. Uh, Lord, open our eyes to your uh, activity, Lord, of the legions of angels that are active on our behalf and are ministering um, to those who have inherited salvation to us. Um, And most of all, uh, open our eyes to see Jesus, Mm -hmm. to see him unveiled, to see him uh, the lion as the lamb, to see him the one with with white hair, the one Mm -hmm. with feet like burnished bronze and eyes like fire and the two-edged sword and and with the seven lampstands. And like, we want to see Jesus. He's the one that has captivated our hearts. He's the one that has captivated our attention. And he's the one that we want to see more closely and more clearly. And so I just bless right now. I bless our eyes to be open to each and every one of us. Jesus. Yeah, and I just, and I just pray just an uptick of affection, an uptick of a desire, an uptick in longing to know Jesus more. Amen. Longing to see him break through in every circumstance we go through. Longing to see his activity and recognize his presence in every room we walk in, in every park we, we, we take walks in, and in, in every space we occupy, Lord. We're praying, Father, that there be an increase of eyes that see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive what you are doing, Lord. So, we, Father, we pray that there be less distraction on what the enemy is doing and more attraction to what you, Lord, you want from us, what you are doing, how you are moving, and how you are already conquering in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for praying that and just sharing your hearts. And um, thank you all for joining us for this uh, panel discussion, and you know, I kind of feel this like stirring in me a little bit. Uh, just to say that you are significant, that you matter, that 
Jesus is calling you, he's inviting you into this amazing relationship that you have a purpose here on the Amen. earth. And he, the enemy has tried to take you out and distance you and keep you lonely or having all these attacks. But he, what he's inviting you to is this life of uh, fulfillment in him. And even through pain and suffering that you can still be victorious yeah. and that you can still walk in power and authority and the things that he's doing in you, he does want to do through you. And so I, I just want to leave you with that in, encouragement that Jesus is for you. He's never going to leave you. And there's this great invitation. We are in a time that can be our finest hour. And he's inviting us into that. And so I, I hope this is encouraging you and um, maybe even stirring you to like, you know, I, I think we are in a time where it's like the things that don't really matter are kind of being, you know, you know, winnowed away. Yeah. The things that, you know, yeah. where we've tried to earn salvation or earn this or whatever, that's all be, it, it's like, and Jesus is coming into more focus. And so I just want to encourage you, like, even after this uh, is done and after you, you, you're done listening, like, just pray, Lord, Lord, where, where are you taking me? Where, where, where am I going? Where are we going together? He's going to speak. And we just pray opened ears right now to, to hear yes. his voice in a clearer way. Yes. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you, panelists. Yes. And so exciting to be here together and love you all and see you soon.